Hi there, this is Erin Nicole, and you're listening to the Move Happy Movement podcast. On this show, I interview people from all over the world to help bring you relevant research, real stories from real life, to help inspire and empower you to live a life that you're truly happy about, whatever that means for you. Sometimes on the show, and lately, and definitely I've been doing more recently, talking from my heart, whatever I feel led to share with you. So today I want to talk about radical transparency. I actually heard this terminology from an online mentor that I met in person. I say I met, I went to a live event a couple years ago when he was visiting the town I was in. Um, I had listened to him from, I was introduced to him from a business mentor in my direct sales business, Jenny Thummel, on one dark day, uh, right around the time frame, it was, I want to say it was December or January, when my father passed in October. So a couple months later, I was struggling. My divorce had finalized a few months prior to that, and I was not doing well. I was trying to stay positive and post positive things online and hustling and working, um, but I was crying every day after work on my way home. I was, I was struggling, and she texted me a link one day, and it was to one of his videos. I, prior to that, I had never heard of him, and I've been listening to him ever since. So if you haven't heard of him before, I strongly recommend you take a listen to his content. Uh, he has been able to transform a lot of people's lives and he's got a coaching program. He's been doing it for over 40 years, I want to say. Um, and he's just an in- incredible person from what I've experienced, from the knowledge that I've been able to gain from him for free through YouTube, and then um, a paid experience where I got to see him speak to a large audience of a few thousand. Um, one day I'd love to go to his Date with Destiny experience and I'd love to meet his wife Sage because they're just they're such a beautiful couple Um, so one day one day uh, but Tony Robbins is who I learned the the terminology of radical transparency from and um, what that really means to me is just being so honest with where you're at if you have made a mistake at work, own up to it. Be frank, talk about what you did wrong, talk about how you're gonna correct it and move forward. If you need to ask for forgiveness of someone, do it. Do it um, authentically and then move forward. If you are feeling frustrated with someone over a situation, don't talk to somebody else about the situation because Uh, When you talk about an issue to someone else, you never know if that word is going to get spread back to that person in a new version of the story that you never actually intended when you could have just talked to them directly. Uh, Now, if you're talking to someone about an issue that, that, like a mistake that they have made, um, you want to be careful as far as how you approach the situation. What I mean by that is if you are accusatory and attacking someone because you're pissed off, right, and you're in a mood, (laughs) 
they're probably not going to be ready to receive the information that you're saying because they're feeling in their body the sensation that you about to throw punches verbally or physically okay so some recommendations that I have learned from a variety of leaders but I believe the first person that I heard it from was my undergraduate professor Dr. Dr. Hacker uh, who has worked with the USA women's sports psychology team or the soccer team she's their sports psychologist she's worked with the Paralympics uh, she's she was one of my favorite professors in my undergrad because her standards were so high. And I care about learning, and I care about learning from the best. And I would say, hands down, she is constantly working on improving herself as a professional. She spoke about in, I want to say, our motor learning class. Might have been a, it might have been the sport psychology and physical activity class. Uh, sociology and psychology. Uh, either way, I had two classes with her. That's it. 2005, I think, and 2006. So to say that I learned this information, I definitely learned it because we're in year 2022. So that is, what, 17 years later or something like that? Um, what she taught me, and you might have heard this in other classes or in workplaces, is called the feedback sandwich. What it is essentially is if you need to correct someone, whether it's in the workplace, whether it's your child, whether it is in school and you're a teacher or you're a principal and you're coaching, you're, you're coaching a, a teacher on how to be a better teacher, pretty much you can transfer this to any kind of leadership position. When you need to correct someone, start with a positive. What I really liked about your lesson today, Sally, was that you found a way to include a variety of learning styles, kinesthetic, auditory, visual, and I really like that you walked around the, the room when there were some chatty Cathy's in the back, you gave them some close proximity. Um, here's where I think you can work to improve. Uh, a part of your lesson, right around page 32, when you were going over paragraphs and how many sentences should be in a paragraph there were some students that looked like they had some glazed eyes over them it looked like it had from my perspective been a little bit too fast of information so maybe slow down and check for understanding a little bit better ask the students to maybe write an example on the board instead of asking them if they understand yes or no because no one's ever going to tell you they don't understand something because everyone wants to feel smart and feel heard again great job with including a variety of learning styles to help your students that come from different backgrounds and different preferences of how they receive information. Great job. That would be an example of a feedback sandwich. What would be terrible feedback, and I'm just going to be straight with y'all, this is what I've experienced almost the entire time since starting this new career path. 100% this is what you're doing wrong. Now there have been a couple conversations I've had and then I've had moments where direct management is using encouraging words. That is because I had gotten to the frustrating level where someone corrected them, I believe. So not everybody comes from a teaching background, not everybody comes from a leadership background. We all come from diff different backgrounds and I never assume that someone knows something that I know because of my teaching perspective, I like to break things down from complex to simple. 
So if you are dealing with a situation where you need to have some radical transparency and you would like someone to shift their attitude, shift their behavior, first get authentic yourself. First get honest with what you messed up with. Talk about how you're going to make some corrections. Talk about some options that you recommend if there's a situation that you think you could help with. Ask, how can I be of service? How can I make this company better? How can I add more value to the company? If, um, for example, last couple weeks I've had some technical glitches where it's either the cell phone or it's someone in the office not sending me the addresses, making mistakes, and not owning up to it. I don't know. I've also seen a few of the pages roll in for appointments, um, like three back-to-back an hour or two after the fact. So I think it's like in the Google Cloud somewhere. So I try my best in all things to assume the best in other people all the time. That's what I try to do. I get to a certain peak level, though, where... I pay attention to when people are never owning up to mistakes. When that, when that tank gets full, that's when my level of patience decreases. And I know that within myself. Um, so instead of going directly to a person in that situation, um, it doesn't work. And the reason why it doesn't work, because when you go to that person... And you might have someone in, in your life like this, at your job like this, maybe a student if you're a teacher that's like this, where if you try to bring some corrective, like this is what, you know, you use the feedback sandwich and they still deny the part that needs fixing, like they make excuses or they say they don't do things like that, whatever the situation is, then you might need to bring a neutral third party in provide evidence for and talk to their superiors if you're not getting the help that you need um I had I had the huge honor of working with and learning from an incredible teacher Mr. Kraus if you haven't heard the show before uh, he was my high school choir teacher, but I actually first met him when I was nine years old because my oldest brother was a part of his music company group, which was an elite group that you had to audition for, and you couldn't audition unless you were invited to audition. He set the standards so high that everyone in the school district wanted to be a part of his group. There was ten guys and ten girls. They danced. They sang a variety of music, and I'm a singer, and I, um, I believe I was born to dance, though I didn't have a lot of professional training with it. Um, I wanted to be a part of it, and I first auditioned for the group as a ninth grader from the junior high. I was invited to audition, and I didn't make it, and I was really devastated that I didn't make it, but then a few days before the school year ended, something happened. And there was a senior that had a bad attitude and she ended up leaving the school district because Mr. Krause would not let her quit unless she left. He's like, you're not going to go to any other high school in the district. I'm friends with everybody. So if you want to quit, then you're going to have to leave, drive to another school district. And she did. Well, he calls me and he says, 
we've got an opening. Not sure if you're interested or not. Would you like to be a part of the music company? You better believe that was the most exciting day of my life. I was nervous though. I was extremely nervous because that was the first time that I had struggled with mental illness, that I had presented problems that I could not, could not hide anymore. I um, was abused from three years old to five years old chronically, randomly, um, all kinds of abuse from my oldest sibling. And I've shared this a few times, um, and I don't have animosity, it's just a part of my story, uh, but parts of that um, damaged the brain. And I was extremely anxious, antisocial. I didn't know how to talk to people. We also had a household where we had to be quiet at 7 p.m. because dad worked nights, so we didn't have a lot of conversations. Didn't learn a whole lot about healthy conflict and going over and getting corrective conversations and whatnot. I learned from being a part of the music company from the different parents that were involved because he built an actual family, a real healthy family of top-level musicians where all the parents were invested in helping us. Every single weekend, we were up in Seattle selling hot dogs, soda, coffee, um, whatever it took through the, they had, um, we were called the vocal volunteers and we earned money for our trips. He wanted us to dream bigger than our circumstances because many of us came from low income, humble beginnings in the town of Spanaway, Washington. And he, he was able to tour around when he was in college. I interviewed him a couple of times on this show. A couple months ago was our second version and then he was my first guest ever. And we're still friends today. Uh, when, I, when I worked in the psychiatric hospital where Move Happy first began, I had created the first program, which was called Move Happy. It was a class that was billable to the state of Washington. Um, I, I combined my two passions, uh, two degrees, their fitness program needed an upgrade. So I said, can I please create something that will add some variety to the patients? And I also am really into positive psychology. And I created a journal, a cross-curricular designed class. My goal was to get it, uh, get it to be something where the patients were interested in fitness for their mental health and for it to be no extra cost to the hospital other than printing off the journals, minimal equipment. And I also wanted it to be something that would get them excited so when they got transitioned out of the high school, or out of the, high school, out of the um, hospital, that they would be interested in moving their bodies for the rest of their life. It was a big, bodacious goal. I'd never planned on it being something so positive that the patient started spreading word around the hospital and a colleague that I did not know I did not work with had asked me um, after we had a end of the summer festival she heard me sing because there was a karaoke stand and I love to sing as well as you heard with being in that music group we got to tour around the U.S. and whatnot in high school um, I sang my favorite singer, number one favorite singer song, Emotions, Mariah Carey. 
And what I wasn't planning on was that every single patient started talking about my singing voice. So this colleague, um, the next day or a couple of days later, from three, two or three floors up, I was on S6. She was on S9, I believe, um, which just meant South Hall. And she chatted with me one day. She's like, hey, I want to create a group and teach juggling. I was wondering if you'd be interested in teaching singing and we could do it like together. I think that it would be something great for the students. There's a lot of research on juggling and how it helps with their brain crossing both sides of the uh, brain barrier and igniting both sides at the same time and things like that. And I was like, well, I'm intrigued, but I've never taught it before. I don't have any degrees in music. I went to school for totally different things, but I've been singing for a long time. I said, I could probably figure it out. And I said, what if we added a third person to the group? Because one of my colleagues, uh, Rick, used to tour around as a comedian. <laughs> across, I know across the U.S., I think also Canada as well. Um, and he, he taught a co-occurring disorder class and a few other classes. And I said, what if we did all three of us and we helped them through performing arts? Maybe they want to be performers and help them prepare for performing opportunities for jobs or I'm sure we can translate that information to getting building more confidence so you could get ready for a, a resume and, and job interviews for some, some of the patients were able to work when they transitioned out some of them were not um, but this would be more appropriate for those that would be looking for jobs when they got out of the hospital and <laughs> uh, I called Mr. Krause and I said, hey, would you meet me at Starbucks? They're asking me to teach music for this therapy class at the hospital, but I've never taught it before. I think I could figure things out, but I just want to pick your brain and make sure that it's done with excellence. He did not question. He immediately said, yeah, let's do it. Let's meet there. And then I picked his brain, and he gave me so many golden nuggets. This was back in 20. 16, 2017, um, I was only at this hospital for 12 months. And that was the second program that was billable to the state without a state license in therapy because my boss believed in me, let me think outside of the box. And because I had already proven successfully the first group, we had gotten so much attention and growth. By the second round of Move Happy, we actually had to move to a larger room. We had a wait list of, of the group. We had more people wanting to be in, a, in the group than we had space available, so we printed extra journals. And the, the patients actually passed out journals to those that couldn't be in the class so that they could teach their, their fellow patient mates in their rooms that uh, because of fire marshal laws, we were only allowed to have a certain number in the room. And by the third round... <laughs> created a third program for groups transitioning out of the hospital to get their mindsets right, which I created again out of zero budget through my connections. Um, I was a part of a direct sales company and I'm still connect connected to a lot of their top leaders from there. And the president was, was on my podcast my first year, um, incredible organization. Um, they had a subscription promotion for us to, um, I might make some noise here because I'm going to walk across the water on this cool thing. Um, 
But yeah, they had this subscription to the Success Magazine. And the Success Magazine is something where they interview like top leaders that are doing cool things in the world from a variety of backgrounds, business, spiritual, all kinds of things. Well, <laughs> a couple of, because I paid for the Edge subscription, um, they had interviewed Joel Osteen was one of the magazine covers, uh, Bishop T.D. Jakes. Um, I think those are the two main ones. And I also got six free books mailed from the founder of the direct sales company. His, um, his mentorship, they had like a youth program. I, I asked for permission for them to ship us some free books. So he sent us over, I think they sent six book copies. And I believe that group was called Life transitions I think we called it I wanted to get their mindsets right I actually designed that program for one patient in particular that I knew was needing to get transitioned out of the hospital but wasn't mentally ready and I had so much respect for him because he was a, a U.S. Marine veteran and he was a high-level executive of corporate America before um, losing his wife to cancer and he and I built rapport immediately my first week because my dad had died of cancer my third day working with patients and he just happened to be in the room where they asked me to share why I was sad um, and we, we built rapport um, and he was kind of my protector when I worked at the hospital and kind of like a fatherly figure if you will um, he made sure any of the boys that were saying inappropriate things to us lady staff he would snap at them, basically bring them to attention like he was their commanding officer, and they listened to him. <laughs> so I, I cared about him as a human being, and the right thing to do for me was to prepare him, to get him happy and transition out of the, the hospital. And so we did every other day. We, did, um, we would read some from the slight edge and discuss it as a group. And then on the opposite days, we would read from the magazine, reading some Joel Osteen stories, some Bishop T.D. Jakes. And we would have honest conversations about life after the hospital. I also had connected with one of the registered dietitians because I looked at their BMI levels. She checked and released the data to us on a monthly basis. And I knew how to read the levels. I knew how to read A1C levels. Um, if you're not familiar with that, that is uh, how nurses and doctors that have type 2 diabetic patients, they have certain levels and ranges. My father was diabetic towards the end, although they labeled him as pre-diabetic for way too long, and he didn't get the coverage that he needed, but that's a story for another day. Um, when I worked, <clears throat> let's see, what year was this? 20. It was after graduate school. Graduate school, I graduated in 2012. I worked five part-time jobs from the fall of 2012. Lost one of them, so four. I finished four out in the spring of 2013, and then I got hired on August of 2013 and worked with the U.S. Army and Air Force at a Joint Base Lewis-McChord under the direction of Dr. Teresa Bruder and Lynn Larson, RN. Um, we were, I believe, the 17th location worldwide to launch the Armed Forces Wellness Center, Armed Wellness Center. They've changed the name a few times. Uh, a part of that we learned from, it was medical model based, so nurses ran it. They both were RNs. 
Dr. Bruder also had her PhD in ministry, which is funded through the military. It is one of the only career industries where they pay for spiritual advisors, which I think is the neatest thing. Um, I'm getting sidetracked a little bit. Radical transparency is where you show up where you're at, correct a situation that needs correcting. If it's on you, correct it. If it's on someone else, give them the positive feedback sandwich. Um, Being a part of that hospital when I worked at the psychiatric hospital, that was my favorite job ever. And I've said that a lot of times. I did not want to leave that hospital, but the creator of the universe had something greater in store for me. And that veteran patient encouraged me when I was needing to leave because of financial reasons. I had earned a promotion that my boss, Sue, had told me no one in her 30 years working at the hospital was ever even interviewed for the psych associate position without a license in state therapy. And not only was I interviewed, it came down to me and another lady. She had just gotten her license but no experience. I had added so much value they could not ignore it in the hospital. It had created three group therapy programs billable to the state of Washington, and I had also um, coached, provided one-on-one therapies under the direction of Dr. Hill, Brian Hill, um, phenomenal guy if you haven't connected with him yet. Um, He had trusted in me to provide alternative therapies based on what patients needed, preferred, and desired that needed more attention than he could provide because his caseload was so high. I found a way to add value and make improvements. And I'm grateful that he trusted in me. Again, it was such a great culture at this hospital. No, it wasn't perfect, but they met me where I was at in need of grieving when my father died. Every single one of the staff members showed up for me. So I just wanted to continually add more value and give more. Um, And I had earned the psych associate promotion. I had cross-trained for two weeks, half days. That was at the point where Move Happy had ran its third 16-week round, and I started doing interviews. My colleague, Sue McKinney, took over, and she actually was one of the ladies that had taught the original fitness program there, so I was nervous that she was the only staff member that that was going to be available because I thought that she would be upset with me for stepping on her toes and making it better, but she was not. She actually stopped me in the hall when I came back from training one day and said, Erin, I got to tell you, I absolutely love your program. I love that I get to exercise during my work day because I know that I need more of it. I love that the patients know exactly what to do. So-and-so passes out the journals. So-and-so passes out the pencils. So-and-so writes the journal prompt page number on the whiteboard so that nobody is lost if they missed a day because they needed a PRN or whatever, they just weren't there or they just forgot. And they all come eager and ready to exercise and to have kind conversations. She's like, I love that it's done for me. This is like, this is really cool. I'm so grateful that you did this for us. So I knew in that moment that the program was duplicatable. 
I worked the promotion after finishing training. Uh, my colleague went on vacation, and then she was going to cover for me when I went on my vacation. Um, they were actually opening an entire high-risk hall for highly volatile patients that needed more love and attention. And I say love loosely, like you don't like make out with your patients, right? That's inappropriate. But what I mean by that is uh, when you give a person what they need based on what you're able and willing to do professionally in, in a nurturing environment, in a therapeutic environment, um, maybe it is a token system, reward system. Some of the patients needed that. Um, maybe it's getting them to play music more. A lot of the patients needed that. Uh, maybe it's getting them to move more. All of the patients needed to move more because um, the uh, obesity, morbidly obese scale was way too high uh, from my perspective. Uh, but a lot of that is caused from medications that make them sleepy and then they don't want to move. So finding ways to add value in that space. Um, and just being completely transparent. Um, I lost the promotion not because I suck as a professional, but because there was people that worked at state legislator in Olympia, Washington, that decided that they didn't want to put money towards a high-risk call in the psychiatric hospital when they could put it elsewhere. So. Carrie that had trained me that had been there for I think 20 years at this point she lost her promotion that she was expecting she got moved back to her original role and then I got moved back to my original position now if everything in life would have been the same then that would have been fine however again radical transparency is the topic of this show um, I had gotten engaged way too quickly that year following the death of my father. Sometimes in crisis, we make silly decisions. And I am a romantic person. I do have an open heart. At that time, I rushed into something that I know that I should not have done. And he did not like the fact that I lost an extra $1,000 a month. And it caused enough friction where uh, we had gotten couples therapy. I was doing my own one-on-one -on -one therapy, and I did not feel safe in the home because at one point he had charged at me and almost um, physically laid hands on me because he thought that I was cheating on him when he forgot that I was getting an oil change 12 hours later. Um, he was experiencing, I think, some PTSD and had some rage that I didn't know was there. I'm, I'm lucky that his daughter was there that day. Um, we were working through that because I'm not a quitter and I don't just walk away from relationships, but I did not feel safe. And my boss started to notice that there was a change in my mood. I was the, I was the move happy girl all over campus. And she asked to meet with me privately in my office because she saw that I was showing up late to work and I was struggling where I was so joyful before. And she knew that I had lost the promotion. So she asked me one day, and we had an honest conversation. And I said, I don't really know what's going on, but I'm getting some, I'm getting, I'm struggling. And she told me about the EAP program, that I could take some time off of work that wouldn't count against my hours or my money. 
and then I could take some time towards the end of the work day to go get a therapist. Um, she was super open and loving towards me because around that same time, her neighbor, and if you're listening to if you're listening to the show with uh, children in it, I highly advise you to pause the show, listen to it, and decide if you want to share this part with them. But her next-door neighbor had experienced extreme psychosis and had killed, uh, I believe he lived with his uncle. And she had, she had known them for a long time. It was right around 4th of July that year. She was experiencing her own PTSD and was getting her own therapy through the EAP program. Sorry, there's a big, loud motorcycle. This is real life, y'all. I don't edit this. <laughs> but yeah, my boss had experienced extremely traumatic experience right next door from a person that had really no issues that she knew about prior to murdering his own family member right next door. So she was more heightened aware of mental illness and how it affects all of us. And she wanted to make sure because I used the word not safe that she wanted to make sure that I was okay. Um, so he and I started doing couples therapy and my therapist one-on-one had asked me how do I, uh, he's like, I normally don't tell people to break up with people, but he's like, Aaron, in this situation, I think you need to do what's best for you and move out. If you don't feel safe, you need to figure out a way to ask for a six month trial separation. We had already gotten to the point where we were going to get married. Wedding invitations were sent out. Um, (laughs) my colleague, I love her to death, but my colleague wanted me to stay married to him and I was not comfortable with it because there was five uh, date changes or venue changes, four date changes, three therapists refused to see us. I was like, I'm trusting my intuition and those are all red flags. It would be easy. It would work smoothly if it was supposed to work. And so my therapist said, well, talk to him in front of your couple's therapist and let the therapist know that you would like to do a six-month trial separation so that you both make sure that this is a commitment that you want to make together. And I did. And he agreed in front of the therapist that that would work. So we were working towards me moving out and getting my own place while losing out on that extra income that I would have been making. Um, And it was really hard for me to find a place One day he had decided that he didn't want to do the six-month trial separation. Meanwhile, I'm praying individually by myself, asking the creator of the universe to open a way for me to break up with him kindly because I don't do abusive relationships. I don't quit relationships, but I felt so unsafe in that moment that it triggered me enough that I knew this was not my person that the creator wanted me to be with, but I didn't, I didn't want to end things in a way that disrespected him as a human being. And I also didn't know what to do. So the creator has a, a funny way of handling things and helping you fix situations when you ask for help. So you, if you don't have, it's because you don't ask. Um, he ended up texting me one night because I was trying my best to look for housing and was spending extra hours driving Uber and Lyft to make extra money after work. 
and going to therapy and things like that. And um, he texted me, I don't want to do the six-month trial separation. So I was like, oh, okay. Uh, so you want to break up then, or what, what are you saying? And he said, yeah, I want to break up. So I knew in that moment that was, that was a God moment for me, and you might call God your Allah or your Buddha or your whatever your higher being identity and deity is. For me, I choose to call it creator of the universe. That was, that was my, okay, this is your path to get out, move on, and move up in life, whether it's to be single the rest of your life or just just to have a fresh start elsewhere and to learn the lesson and whatnot. Um, radical transparency doesn't mean that it's easy the situation that you're in. Um, I, I wish him well. He actually did a couple years later as I'm starting to build out my business and whatnot. I have blocked him on all social media, I had thought. But there was somehow where he was following my content or someone had a conversation with him. I'm not exactly sure how he found out about my business and whatnot because he had told me I wasn't ever going to make make it. I was a dreamer and I couldn't do anything in life. And I was like, okay, cool. Lady Gaga, peace out. Um, <laughs> and he had messaged me through my old business name through that account because it hadn't quite changed over. I had to wait for permission from Facebook to change the business group page over. And he apologized. And I was blown away. He's like, I'm so sorry for how I treated you. And I was like, thank you. I appreciate it. Like, I forgive you. Um, and that was it. That was closure for us both. So radical transparency can mean that you accept forgiveness from someone and then you move on in life. It doesn't mean you got to be best friends, but... He needed that closure. Um, I provided that to him, but he's he's still a part of this, the story of my strength. Um, and I'm proud of how I handled myself in that situation. If you're listening to the show right now, I'm extremely grateful for you listening, whether you're just hopping in this episode for the first time ever, or whether you've been a part of this journey since we launched the podcast back in 2019. Um, either way, I'm grateful for you. I'm sensing there's a man named Lewis that's listening to the show right now. You lost a limb, and I do apologize uh, if you're if you're concerned that I'm saying things like this, but I have survived death and I have definitely uh, been connected to the spiritual realm. I don't always have these moments, but when I do, I lean in. And so Lewis, uh, if this was an unexpected limb loss, I, I'm praying for you right now. I'm encouraging that perhaps there's, there's a meaning behind this. Ask yourself what the meaning is behind losing this limb. And if there, if there are things that you need support with, um, you can reach out to us. Um, I'm not at a positive revenue space where I can write them checks, though I, I see that in my future. Um, but I do have a network full of people, and I would be happy to support you 
by connecting to someone, whatever it is, whatever it is that you need help with. Radical transparency doesn't mean that you fix every problem that people have. Radical transparency just means that you're, you're authentically you with your heart open. Um, and there's different levels and layers to it. You might have a day where you're extremely open and transparent, and then you might learn something from someone where they discourage you from being so open. And it makes you closed off to that particular person a little bit because you're not receiving the response that you desire. Uh, for example, uh, if I'm feeling bullied, and this is something I need to work on, but if I am feeling bullied from someone, my spidey sense goes up, the hairs on the back of my neck get up, and I am direct, and I will speak more directly to that person because I have had enough bullies that have tried to tear me down in my life, starting from three to five years old, uh, being raped from someone in college, and then having that first responder tell me that I would ruin his career if I reported it. Um, I have been through enough things in life, surviving death from mistakes that other people made, um, and gracefully having support from strangers step up to help me. Um, but if I'm feeling bullied or like someone is gonna attack me or my family, my mama bear senses come out and I speak up for myself because that is the right thing to do. And I encourage you to do that as well. Now there are different approaches to it. Um, and if people don't receive it well, know your value, step up and walk out. Whether it's in a relationship, whether it's in a job, whatever the situation is, write your pros and cons down on a piece of paper if the cons outweigh the pros, then it's time to leave. And um, I've had to do that a few times. People are like, well, you have so many different jobs on your resume. Yeah, but how long have I been focused on my life mission with Move Happy? I really don't care how many jobs are on the resume because my network, I literally had a conversation a few weeks ago with one of my mentors, and I'm not gonna say the name because it's none of your business. They already offered me starting at a million dollar position plus commissions to help them grow their organization. Why? Because they have been following my journey since 2019 when we first connected. I'm not concerned about anything in life anymore. I'm not even concerned about dying because I've survived it. And I know without a shadow of a doubt where my spirit will go on. This is just a temporary time frame. Our time on earth is so minuscule. And that is why when I speak on and when I post in my copy on social media and even in my email tagline, the end of pretty much every single post since I launched in 2018, my Move Happy business when I moved across the country is don't forget to tell someone you love them today because I want to be known as someone that leads with love. There are so many rules in the rules book. There are so many, if you're a religious person, there are so many ways that you can mess up in religion. I choose to believe in the most powerful force in the world and that is to lead with love. And when my dad died unexpectedly on my third day working with patients in a psychiatric hospital, 
even though the week before I had been trained in like combatives training and worst case scenario and you better watch your back, hands to the wall, fist bump, don't shake hands, don't use their bathroom because they're gross and disgusting. Like these are all the things that they trained us in. Um, A lot of the staff also said, you know, the patients are great and compassionate and kind and all those things, but they had to train us for safety reasons because I kid you not, one of my staff members was in the wrong place at the wrong time a few years before, and she got pummeled like a football tackle from one of the patients and broke her vertebrae, and she was out of work for a year healing. And that, she didn't even do anything to that patient, but they were going through psychosis. So they trained us specifically for our safety and liability reasons. They could get sued, all those things. But what I experienced my third day on the job with patients was they were kind human beings. They were no different than you and me. They needed support. They needed love and compassion, just like you and I need love and compassion. And guess what? When I treated them with dignity, none of them bothered me. I got along with everybody in the staff, all of the patients. The only reason why I had to leave was because I couldn't afford to stay there anymore. And I have continued to edify all of them. I've continued to stay connected to many of my former colleagues. One of them was actually in February. She was one of our edutainers for the first ever global real entertainment therapy experience. She was one of those people that was so positive and encouraging to me during the year that my dad died and my divorce finalized and then I got engaged too quickly, right? There was a lot going on in Aaron's world. I do admit and I take ownership and rushing in some of those decisions. But she was one of those people that made me want to show up to work because she was so encouraging. It was like we were best friends no matter what was going on in life. She was positive. She was joyful. She was fun to be around. We just clicked. And she and I have stayed connected through the years. And she's getting her master's program right now. She got, she just had another baby. She got married, like she got a lot going on. And she gave of her time to speak on the current research from her master's program uh, and was able to help someone within the experience that has a child with autism because I told her who was gonna be there and kind of the background story. And she customized her training for them. Like you guys, I am so incredibly blessed the people that have stepped into my life and there's so many moments of, I don't want to say it's serendipity, I'm not sure if that's the right term, but when you're open and radically transparent, your eyes start to see things from a spiritual perspective that you might not have naturally seen in the natural realm. And if that's too woo-woo for you, this isn't the show for you and I'm okay with that. We got top 10% rankings out of 2.78 million shows in the world. I still don't understand how that's possible, honestly, because uh, my downloads are really not that hot. But when you are radically transparent and you share your heart, you you might get made fun of. You might have somebody try and use your own content and manipulate you like I did in 2020. I learned that hard lesson, right? I get a hit put on you. It's fine. It's fine. Uh, because people stepped up and showed me that there are some incredible human beings. We live in the best country in the United States, in the world, right? I live in the best country in the United States, which is the United States. You, you might live in Canada, or you might live in Mexico, or maybe you live in Ukraine or China or Russia. You're probably going to say the same thing, and that's fair. I respect your your desire to to be the best country in the world, right? That's why the Olympics formed, right? We wanted to do fun, healthy, collaborative, competitive competitions. 
Um, being completely transparent with where you're at and where you want to be 100% is going to make you a better person and it's going to make people respect you more when you step up, you raise your standards and don't react to people, respond. Um, there's been a few instances in the last few weeks, I'm not going to lie, my stress level was a little bit more than I desired and I have been cranky with people. I have been reacting to how they are treating me instead of responding. So I'm talking to myself when I talk to you. Uh, but being radically transparent means that you don't have to be perfect. It just means that you own up to your mistakes and you find a way to correct it. And if you don't know how to correct it, you ask for feedback and ask for advice from people that are in a place where you desire to be. I'm super grateful that you've taken the time to listen to the show today. If you would like more information on the Real Entertainment Therapy Experience 2.0 version, uh, we're doing the next one Thursday. If you're listening to this, hopefully before it happens. If you're listening after the fact, we got one in December, no worries. Um, but August 18th, 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. It's going to be on Zoom. It is a free event. You do have to RSVP, though. Um, getting us, myself, or Robbie O'Connor, your email that you're going to have for the next seven years to... Uh, you can either DM it on social media, which is probably the easiest fashion, um, on LinkedIn. Go ahead and send it my way, or I guess Facebook, too, works. Um, uh, we're both on there. We're both connected on there. I've, t I've posted so many things at this point that if you can't find it, I'm sorry, ask a friend. Um, and I'm not trying to be rude, but I'm working 12 to 14-hour days minimum at my day job. Uh, when I'm on call, I'm working a 19-hour day, and that's not work, right? That's travel time, too. I just don't have the space to get to everybody that I would like to because we've got an invite list of upwards of 225,000. So we're sending the invitation out one time because we are on a budget. So those of you that are listening to the show that love the mission and whatnot, improving, the goal is to improve the treatment of people and patients with depression, specifically for our veterans and first responders because they are our highest risk population for suicide and suicidal ideations. Um, that is the immediate focus is to develop the long-term goal is to develop the first ever global entertainment therapy for those that lean towards the entertainment space as their mode of healing. So for those that enjoy singing for an audience, for those enjoy playing their instrument for an audience or acting out, comedy show, etc., any kind of performing, however you would define performing uh, for you. And, or entertaining, I should say. You could, you could be juggling, you could do whatever it is that uh, brings people laughter, enjoyment, and is fun for you too. We're gonna do some measurements on both the audience perspective as well as how it brings healing to the performer, right? Because there, I don't know if you notice in the world, but there are so many people, at least here in the States, it might be different in your country, um, but because of what's going on with the pandemic, they are no longer able to perform in large venues unless they get um, the COVID shot. And you can get it, you cannot get it, whatever your perspective is, I respect you. Um, however, I am an advocate for mental health and for depression. And there is no long-term longitudinal data on the safetiness of it for the most expensive condition and the globally most diagnosed condition in the world 
because I am an advocate and I also am a woman with depression who's experienced mind control through birth control implants that I had to have an emergency surgery removal um, because I had called the 1-800 hotline because I was not in of sound mind. When they removed it and the medicine took out, got out of my system about seven days later, then I was fine. I was in my sound mind. But when you mess with someone's emotional regulators or hormonal imbalances, um, that was not my thoughts. And I care more about human beings than I do about facts and figures. And um, I respect those of you that get it, but until there is long-term data on the safetiness of it, uh, the concert, the therapy experiences, the entertainment um, venues are respective of both choices because you can be from home and have the shot and you can be from home and not have the shot and you're still in the same room as someone else and you're able to perform whether or not you feel safe getting it or choosing to get it or choosing not to get it. Um, I know I was chatting with a family member that lives across the country and they were saying that within their own church body there was people that were having issues with their mobility um, that were recently diagnosed with a variety of things and they believe that it was a side effect of one of the injections, one of the choices that they had offered and that's something that they'll have for the rest of their lives. Um, that is a part of science and research, right? Uh, we're all learning through it and I respect your decision if you want to have it done until there's more verifiable information on it. I want you to feel safe and have the opportunity to join in on an experience and still sing and still perform and be a comedian if you want to without getting turned away from being able to heal from that experience from the stage perspective because you made a choice to not get the shot. And same for if you get the shot if you're not comfortable with people in the room that don't have the shot, it's a, an opportunity for you to still participate and still be in the same digital space as someone else without feeling like you're putting yourself at risk or your family members at risk and things like that. So this is my goal and intention. I'm a peacekeeper. I am not sided on either direction. Um, I just want to bring people together. I want to lead with love, and that's what I've been doing. Um, and I also... I have a clear mission and vision and I'm grateful for the people that have stepped up to support. So get your, get your checkbooks out, get your debit cards out, uh, go on the website, erinnicoleministries.org, donate however much you feel led. We'll just put it that way. E-R-I-N-N-I-C-O-L-E-M-I-N-I-S-T-R-I-E-S.org. If you want to be a platinum sponsor, um, like I said, uh, my time is extremely limited. I'm not taking a salary on this experience. This is 100% philanthropy for my country and for the world because I am alive. Um, and I also really enjoy singing, so I would do it for free. Um, and orchestrating and bringing people together are some of my, my super skills. I'm a super connector. And it's just how, it, it's how I was created. So if you do want to be one of those platinum sponsors and get 
get some promotions on the show or get featured in all of the emails that are sent out to every single person on the invite list, um, upwards of 225,000, maybe more than that, but that's just an estimation from what I had calculated uh, based on how many gyms are getting the invite, how many doctors, offices are getting the invite, and how many customers from my day job, assuming that our head of HR is still on board. And I think they are because they're definitely being more accommodating lately. So uh, if all of those emails get through, then uh, that's a lot of people that could hear about your company or your personal brand. If you got a lot of money and you're like, oh, my brain's not really strong, um, let's have a conversation. We're thinking that we need $10,000 for this experience. Uh, that's to allow for 10,000 seats and we need some technology support from Zoom support or if, uh, if Robbie trusts you and you're a trustworthy person, uh, then we could use some support on that. But I'm trying my best to keep things secure uh, just from my personal experiences with everything. Um, we are doing a survey, but it's, it's open-ended and we're not doing specific demographics for you because, well, right now, um, it doesn't make sense after chatting with cyber security people that even if I paid someone to host and hold the data, that if they got hacked into on their servers, that I would still be liable. And I just, I want to serve you and I want to make sure that your private information, your medical data is protected. Um, like I said, because I am a woman that has um, dealt with and is overcoming uh, the side effects or the negative symptoms of depression, because that's how it was designed and raised, um, but you don't have to stay depressed. And I would never want to put you in a position that made you even more sad. Um, so we're just doing overall feedback for the experience at this time until we get some more sponsorships in and people can explain a little bit better uh, how to protect people's, people's private medical information to make sure that it's as secure as heavenly possible <laughs> um, and to have a fun experience for you. So what's cool about it is um, I'm going to be singing some original music. We've got Head of Disney Hotels is one of our edutainers, one of my personal business mentors, is our keynote speaker. Uh, she retired from the USPS as a postmaster and used to be in charge of like 150 to 200 staff. She was a guest on the podcast in the fall of 2021. And she'll be opening the show. Uh, she is one of our edutainers that is in the spiritual realm. So this is gonna be interesting because this is what the creator told me to do, so we're figuring it out. So we do need help on a little video slideshow thing. So if you are listening still and you could help with that, um, reach out. All right, I love you guys so much. And don't forget to tell someone you love them today. See you next Thursday, 9 a.m. Pacific.